So before we start, our topic for tonight is prophecy unfolds today, and I want to make sure I don't go any further before asking the Lord to bless the reading of His Word, the study of His Word, okay? Um, so let's bow our heads, if you will, and then I'm going to invite the presence of the Holy Spirit. Father in heaven, we are grateful for the opportunity we have uh, to come before you and uh, to open up the scriptures together as a group to study. And as you have said, uh, spiritual things are spiritually discerned. And Lord, uh, tonight we pray for the Holy Spirit to give us understanding and as you have promised to guide us into all truth. For we pray all this in Jesus' name and let everyone say amen. So why do we do a prophecy seminars such as this? Yes, let me get this Bible really quick over here. I'm going to be using. Why do we do like a, a, you know, a prophecy seminar? Why do we do Jesus on prophecy and invest so much money and time and energy and ask you to come out every night? Just for the sake of transparency here, uh, I want to be very clear with you all. We honestly believe that prophecy is transpiring and that uh, time is running short and something is happening in the world that everyone can notice, whether they believe in the Bible or not. You know, days are not as usual anymore. And uh, we believe that time is coming short, and we want to share the Word of God, not because most of you probably don't believe in Jesus, but we need to know what is happening and uh, how to navigate the events of the future so we can be ready for Jesus' second coming, as we are going to study tonight. So that's the primary reason we do events such as this. And uh, as I said Times are not as before. Evil, pain, and suffering are everywhere. And more recently, we were able to see uh, this pandemic that uh, the world uh, went through or is still going through and um, have left consequences in everyone's life. Things are not the same. We have seen financial crisis, econo uh, uh, crisis in the economy. We have seen wars, and uh, there is a lot of suffering in the world, and we want to give hope for people. We want to give what for everybody? What did I say? Hope. That's what we want, okay? We want to prepare people for the events that are coming, but we want also to spread hope. And the scriptures is the place that we turn to. So as I have promised you tonight and every single night, we're going to study what, everybody? The Bible, the scriptures, okay? So if it is not in the Bible, it's not for me. That's our theme. Is that fair enough? Yes or no? And I want you to keep me accountable. Some of you are really good Bible students, and you can flip your Bible really quick. And I advise you to do that because some of the verses, I'm not going to be able to open my Bible. I already have this slide, but I want you to keep me accountable. I want you to keep me what, everybody? accountable because if it's not in the scripture it's not for me are you with me but if it is in the scripture i believe would you say amen for that okay so um if you are not a religious person you're wondering what is this amen all about it's a it's a religious term that we say when we agree with what the speaker is saying or, or what the bible is saying then we say amen meaning i agree with that is that okay do you agree with me? Uh, are you with me, I should say? <laughs> Amen. So there you go. 
So here we go. I want to read this for you. Bible prophecy gives us clear insight into where our world is. What is the next word there? Is headed in the future. And we are going to study that throughout the series. Now, there are two primary books that we are going to be studying every night. How many books did I say? Two. The first book, believe it or not, is a book found in the Old Testament called Daniel. It was written by Daniel the prophet, and he wrote, he received visions from heaven pertaining our days, and we want to explore that book. And by the way, the second book, can you guess what is the second book we're going to be studying? There you go, the book of Revelation. And I'll tell you, the book of Daniel and the book of Revelation, as we're going to see, they are like twins. They are like what, everybody? Twins. In other words, they agree with one another and they complement one another. In order to understand the book of Revelation, we need also to understand the book of Daniel. Are you with me? Okay, so very good. I want to share with you a Bible verse. I want you to go with me to the book of Matthew, chapter 24. And uh, I'm very smart here. I already put a ribbon in my Bible to Matthew 24. I'm already there. (laughs) Matthew 24, we're going to see verse 25. And if you don't have a Bible, that's okay. The verses are here in the slide for you. But I want those Bible experts to keep me accountable, to make sure everything we cover here is found in the Bible and the Bible only. So Matthew chapter 24 and verse 25, I want you to see what Jesus said about the book of Daniel. Jesus said about what book, everyone? The book of Daniel. Notice very carefully what it says. Okay, Matthew 24, verse uh, 25. I put the wrong book there. Just ignore. You're so gracious. It's not Revelation 1, verse 1, but actually Matthew 24, verse 25. Jesus says these words. Listen very carefully. Therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation is spoken of by who? Daniel the prophet, standing in the holy place, whosoever reads, let him, what is the next word, everyone? Understand. In the context of last day events, when Jesus was speaking to his disciples, he said, you better read what the prophet, what prophet? Daniel wrote, and when you read it, make sure you understand. Are you with me? So that's why we are including the book of Daniel in this series. We are not only going to the book of Revelation, but we are including also the book of Daniel. Now, going to the book of Revelation, uh, you're welcome to go there with me. Okay, so in the book of Revelation, we find the the purpose of prophecy. The purpose of what, everyone? Yes. And what is the purpose of prophecy? So Revelation... Uh, chapter 1, you can go there as I share with you one Bible verse found in the book of Isaiah. I'll just read quickly here for you. It's a well-known passage found in Isaiah 46, verse 9, verse 10. I have it here in the slide for you. Notice carefully what it says. For I am what? God. And there is no other like me, right? There is no other. I am God, and there is none like me. Notice carefully why God says why we should believe that he is the all-powerful God. What does he do? What is the characteristic found in this verse about God that make him God and nobody else? Declaring what? The end from the beginning and from ancient times, things that are not yet done. So God is saying here, you know... 
I want you to believe in me. I want you to know that I'm God. I'm the true God. And the way you're going to know that is that it is because I'm able to tell what's going to happen in the future before it happens. Are you following? And that's what prophecy is all about. So when we study prophecy, we are going to learn about things that the Word of God has said, but has not yet taken place. And when it takes place, we will know that we can trust in the Bible. Are you following? We can trust not only in the prophecies in the Bible, but everything else that God says must be true. Because if the prophecies are happening and they are true, we might as well just believe in everything else that the Word of God has to say. Are you with me? Okay, so very good. So let's go now to the book of Revelation. You are there. In Revelation chapter 1. And uh, so the first purpose of prophecy is for God to prove himself uh, to those that do not believe in him. You know, so Revelation 1 verse 1. Notice carefully what it says. It's about the book of Revelation. What is the second word that you find there in this verse? The what? The revelation of who? Wow. Did you know that the book of Revelation starts with these words? You know, the revelation of who again? Jesus Christ. That's why we have the theme of our prophecy seminar, what? Jesus on, on prophecy, okay? Because Jesus is the center of the book of Revelation. Does the book of Revelation talk about beasts, yes or no? Does the book of Revelation talk about the mark of the beast, yes or no? Does the book of Revelation talk about, like, for instance, Babylon and the great whore? Does it talk about that, yes or no? Yes, and we're going to cover all that in our prophecy seminar. But the center, the focus must be on who? Jesus Christ. So notice carefully. The book of Revelation means, you know, revealing. Some people, have you ever heard people saying that you can't understand the book of Revelation? Has you, have you ever heard that before? Yes or no? Oh, yes. People say that the Revelation, you can't understand it. But would it make sense, God, to give the whole Bible that you can't understand? And the last book of the Bible that he gave, he gave for people not to understand, and yet he called the name of the book what? Revelation. Does that make any sense for you? If it is revelation, it means that has been revealed. And we can understand the book of Revelation if we have the right tools. The right what, everybody? Tools. Okay, can you fix a car without having the proper tools? No. Can you understand the book of Revelation without having the proper tools? No. Okay. And I suggest to you, my friends, that the key to understand Revelation, the key to understand what, everybody? Revelation is the whole scriptures. Are you with me? It's not the newspaper. Guess what? I'm not going to stand up over here and read a prophecy for you in the book of Daniel and the book of Revelation and say, by the way, the newspaper is saying this, it fits perfectly. It's not going to be like that. The Bible must interpret itself. Are you with me? So is that fair, yes or no? Okay, very good. So I want you to see that in the very beginning it says that this book is a revelation of Jesus Christ. Jesus is going to reveal himself. We are going to learn more about him. And he's providing information for us to navigate the future with success. Notice what it says in verse 3. If you're following your Bible, Revelation 1 verse 3. 
and I'm using the same version that you have in your hands, unless you brought your own Bible, I'm using the New King James Version, um, just for the sake of unity. Most people like that one, but you can use any version you want. That's fine. Okay, notice what it says here. Revelation chapter 1, verse 3. What is the first word of verse 1? Blessed. Blessed. God has a blessing to bestow upon people, and I want you to know what kind of people are going to receive his blessing. Do you want to receive God's blessing tonight? Yes, I want. I want, and I know you want. That's why you're here. Notice, who is the blessed here in this verse? Blessed is he who, what is the next word, everyone? Reads and those who hear the words of this prophecy, and what is the next word? Keep those things which are written in it, for the time is it's near. There is a sense of urgency. There is a sense of what, everyone? Urgency in the message, okay? And it says here there is a blessing reserved for those that do three things. What are the, th- uh, the three things we must do? We must read the words of the book of Revelation. We must hear the words of Revelation, and we must keep it. Keep it meaning that we apply in our own lives. We become part of who we are. Are you with me? Are you with me? In other words, we don't want only to hear the theory and understand information, but we want to absorb and let the Word of God transform our lives. Are you with me? So let's, let's go on here. Here are the purposes of prophecy. Number one, can you read there with me? What is the purpose number one of prophecy? Yes, for us to trust in His Word, the Bible. So when we see like a lot of skepticals like me, I didn't grow up uh, going to church, okay? But uh, there was a point in my life that I came in, you know, in contact with this book right over here. And I began to study this book and the prophecies, especially of Daniel and Revelation. And I saw how they have been fulfilled in history, detail after detail, that I saw that this book is actually supernatural. Would you say amen for that? Amen. Amen. So that's... Uh, reason number one, so we can trust in God's Word, the Holy Bible. That's purpose number one of prophecy. Number two, what does it say there? God wants to review Jesus in a deeper way. Do we all need to know more about Jesus, yes or no? It doesn't matter where you are in, our, in your journey with Jesus. We all need to know more of Jesus Christ. Okay, so number three, God wants to do what? Bless us as we read his word. Do we all need a blessing from Jesus, yes or no? Most definitely. By the way, that word bless, uh, you know, blessed, uh, it comes from the word happy. Do we all need to find contentment in life, yes or no? Do we need to find satisfaction and fulfillment in life? Most definitely. Number four, notice what it says here. God does not want us in the what, everyone? In the dark about the future of our world. Okay, and he's going to unpack before our eyes what is about to take place, and he's going to give us the tool to navigate with success and with hope without becoming depressed and overwhelmed, full of anxiety with the things that are about to take place. It's already taking place in this world. Are you with me? So let's go on. I want to share with you Revelation chapter 13. What book, everyone, again? Revelation, now chapter 13. Let's turn our Bibles there. And what you're going to find there is a symbol of a beast. And I want to read that with you just so we can 
understand uh, the proper tools to unlock the book of Revelation as well as the book of Daniel. Okay, so that's why people say we can't really understand the, the book of Revelation. It's really hard to understand. Notice, because the book of Revelation is full of symbols. Full of what, everyone? Symbols. Yes, notice in chapter 13. And I want to read with you beginning in verse 1. The Bible says here, Then I stood on the sand of the sea, and I saw a what, everyone? A beast doing what? Rising up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns, and on his horns ten crowns, and on his heads a blasphemous name. So we can start right there, but it goes on to describe this beast. And I want to share with you some keys to unlock prophecies such as this. We're not going to unlock all the way today, but I want to give you as an example. Okay, so for instance... We find in 2 Peter 1.20 these words, knowing these first, that no what? No prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation. I cannot, you cannot accept me to standing here before of you and say, I think that that beast means this. You can't accept that. Are you with me? And you have to say, preacher, come on, you, you got to do better than that. The scripture must interpret itself, okay, and give the meaning. As I said in the beginning, if it is in the Bible, I believe it. If it disagrees with the Bible, it's not for me. And uh, notice carefully what it says here in the book of Daniel. Go there with me to the book of Daniel all the way in the Old Testament. Yes. That's, we are just flipping our Bibles here, and we are going to the Old Testament, the prophet Daniel, more toward the end of the Old Testament, and we are going all the way to chapter 7, and we are going to find the meaning of beasts in the Bible. We don't have to guess, we shouldn't guess, the Bible has the answer. After all, the book of Revelation is called the Revelation, and not, it's not sealed. So notice what it says in Daniel chapter 7, and I want you to read with me verse 17. In prophetic vision, the prophet Daniel saw four beasts, and I want you to see here the interpretation. Those great beasts, which are four, are four, what is the next word, everyone? Four kings, which arise out of the earth. And then he goes on to say, jump with me to verse 23. Thus he said, the fourth beast shall be a fourth, what everyone? Kingdom on earth. Do we have to guess what a beast represents in Bible prophecy, yes or no? We don't need to guess. It says very, uh, over there that uh, uh, the beast represents a what? A kingdom. Are you with me? It, it is as simple as that. And I must provide this kind of answers for you to unlock the book of revelation otherwise it's not for you we don't need to go there but in revelation chapter 5 and 6 what chapter did i say of revelation 5 and 6 we find a lamb we find what everyone a lamb and we don't need to guess what is this lamb over here we see for instance john 129 the prophet john the baptist when he saw jesus coming to be baptized he looked at jesus for the first time and he said behold what the lamb of god who takes away the sin of the world does that tell us what a lamb represents in bible prophecy yes or no 
Yes, it's Jesus Christ. And that symbol's come all the way from the Old Testament to the Jewish sanctuary, all the way back to Adam when he sinned and God, you know, instituted that ceremony where they killed the lamb to symbolize Jesus Christ giving his life for our sins so we can be cleansed from our sins. So there is no guessing there. Now, I want you to go with me to Revelation chapter 14. What chapter, everyone? Revelation chapter 14. We are going now all the way to the last book of the Bible. And the book of Revelation. And we are going to chapter 14. In Revelation chapter 14, we find the last message to be proclaimed on this earth. What kind of message did I say? The last. The last. Okay, so... And I want to just quickly go over it. It's called the three angels' messages. That's what you find from verse 6 all the way to verse 16. And uh, I want to read here just a few verses with you. For instance, in verse 9. Go there with me to verse 9. What does it say there? Then a third angel followed them, saying with a loud voice, If, if anyone worships the what? the beast and his image and receive his mark on his forehead on his hand we can start right there so here we see a message that one of them three angels messages one of them is warning people against uh, three things what are the three things it's highlighted there in the in the screen the beast his image and his his mark friends I guarantee you that uh, once you finish this seminar, you will know from the Bible, from where everyone? From the Bible, what the beast means, his image and the mark of the beast. And there will be no guessing. There will be no guessing. It must be straight from the Bible. Okay, so notice in verse 12, if you are there in Revelation 14, in the midst of this chaotic you know, um, happenings on the earth, the beast, his image, the mark of the beast, and all that happening, God reveals that he has a faithful group of people. Here is the patience of the saints. Here are those who keep the commandments of God and have the faith of who? The faith of Jesus. And in verse 14, I don't want you to miss that. After the proclamation of the three angels' messages, we find a glorious event that our friend Christian sung about it. If you notice, he sang about the returning of Christ to this earth to put an end to the suffering and sin. Notice what it says here in Revelation 14, verse 14. Then I looked, and behold, a white cloud, and on the cloud sat one like the, the Son of Man, having on his head a golden crown, implying that he's a king, he's coming as a king, and in his hand a sharp sickle. And then he goes on to say in the next verse, And another angel came out of the temple, crying with a loud voice to him who sat on the cloud, Trust in your sickle and reap, for the time has come for you to reap, for the harvest of the earth is what? Is ripe. Of course, it's using agricultural language to describe Christ coming on this earth in the clouds of heaven as a king to take home those that believe in him, those that bore the fruit of the Spirit. The harvest is ripe. God's people are again reflecting in the image of Jesus. Through His grace, of course, through the working of the Holy Spirit, God's people mature their character and Jesus comes to take them home. Friends, 
Notice what it says in the next verse, 16. So he who sat on the cloud trust in his sickle on the earth. And the earth was, what is the next word, everyone? Ripped. And we're going to study about this event with more details. Okay, but I want you to see that the climactic event, the climax of the three angels' message is the second coming of Jesus. Would you say amen for that? Amen. The coming of Christ in the clouds of heaven. And my friends, he wants to make sure we are ready. He wants us now to prepare for that event. He wants us now to surrender our lives and allow his grace and his love to transform our lives. And there will be a people, as we are going to see in Bible prophecy, that will not go through death, but they will see Jesus coming in the clouds of heaven in life. And that makes so much sense. You can trace back to the words of Paul, and let me take you there really quick. Okay, so that's an extra verse here. You don't have to pay any extra for this verse, okay? So go with me to 2 Thessalonians chapter... Four. What chapter are we, everyone? Yes, but I have the impression I misquoted. It should be First Thessalonians, okay? I think it's First Thessalonians. Yeah, chapter 4, okay? So I want you to see very clearly here what the Apostle Paul wrote about the coming of Jesus. About what event, everyone? The coming of Jesus. Are you ready? Here we go. He says, he wrote here, notice carefully, beginning verse 16. For the Lord himself, that's Jesus, will descend from where? From heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are what? Alive at that event and remain shall be caught up together with them that were resurrected in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and thus we shall always be with the Lord. Would you say amen for that? So there will be people that will not go through death. They will actually be what the Bible called translated into heaven. What is the term that I just used? Translated without going through death. Eventually, friends, there will be a generation of people that will see Jesus coming in the clouds of heaven without experiencing death. And I want to be there. I want to be ready when Jesus comes. How about you? Amen. Amen. So let me share this promise in the book of John. Let's go there to the book of John chapter 14, okay? The apostle John, that was the last apostle to lose his life. In John chapter 14, verses 1 through 3, Jesus said to his disciples this amazing promise that brings so much hope and comfort to our lives. and said, let not your heart be what, everyone? Troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. And then the next verse says, I go for what purpose? To prepare a place for you. Yes, Christ is preparing a place for each one of us. And if I go and prepare a place for you, notice carefully, I will what? Come again and receive you to myself that where I am, there you may be also. What a beautiful promise. He has promised to prepare a place for you and for me. And he will come again in the clouds of heaven to take us home. Would you say amen for that? 
That's the promise we have. Let me take you to the book of Matthew chapter 24. Let's open up our Bibles there. Matthew chapter 24. And I'm really fighting against time over here. And I hope uh, you don't mind. Uh, I'm going really fast over here because we have some ground to cover, okay? First night, I hope you forgive me. You know, we had some extra announcements. So I will need uh, perhaps to go over a few minutes. But I'll try to have you out of here not long after 8. Notice what it says. Matthew chapter 24, verse 3. Are we there? So the Bible says in verse 3, these are the disciples of Jesus, by the way. They are talking to him after seeing the temple in Jerusalem. Now as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, Tell us, when will these things be? Stop right there. If you read the previous verses, these things be is referring to the destruction of the temple in Jerusalem that Christ had just prophesied in verses 1 and 2. If you read verse 1 and 2, you're going to see that. And then the disciples, they, they are with them. How can that be? You know, we are God's people. God is in the temple. He's protecting the temple. It must be the end of the world. This must be when Christ comes again. But it was not. No, no. Notice carefully what it says next. These are the disciples speaking to Jesus. And what will be the sign of your what, everyone? Coming. And of the? And of the age. Did you see that the disciples, they knew something about the returning of Christ? Yes or no? Did you see that they knew something about the end of the world? Some translations, instead of the end of the age, says the end of the world. Did they know something about the end of the world? Yes or no? Oh, most definitely. And they connected the two events. And Jesus, out of kindness to them, knowing that they could not bear the thought that there would be another 2,000 years before he would return, he mingled the events pertaining to the destruction of Jerusalem with the end of the world. And the destruction of Jerusalem, the destruction of what, everyone? Jerusalem became a symbol of the destruction of the world. Are you following? And that's what he does. Because he knew he couldn't tell his disciples there in that conversation, listen, you guys are eventually going to die. There will be another 2,000 years before I come and the end comes. So he couldn't tell that. They were not ready for that kind of talk. And that's why he mingled the two events. The destruction of Jerusalem became a symbol of the destruction of what, everyone? The world. Notice the words, what it says here. This is Jesus now. And Jesus answered and said to them, Take heed. These are the signs. That no one, what is the next word? Deceive you. Now, notice in verse 5. For many will come in my name saying, Am the Christ, I am the Christ, and will, what is the next word? Deceive many. Jump all the way to verse 24. The same talk. The same conversation. Jesus says, For what kind of people? False Christ and false what? Prophets will rise and show great signs and wonders to, for what purpose? To deceive, if possible, even the elect. Is Jesus trying to emphasize something here, yes or no? He's saying that one of the signs of his coming and the end of the world is that there will be a lot of what, everyone? Deception. Deception. Okay, false Christ, false prophets, and a lot of deception. In the book of First Timothy, you don't need to go there, but I'll quote here really quick, unless you really want to check out. Notice what it says in First Timothy chapter 4, 1 and 2. Now the Spirit, that's the Spirit of God, expressly says that in the latter times, what kind of times, everyone? Yes. 
latter time, some will depart from the faith, giving heed to what kind of spirits? Deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. Do we see that increasing in our society today? A lot of witchcraft being promoted. A lot of spiritualism, even in the movies now, has, you know, have taken a different direction, like Walking Dead. You know, is that a form of spiritualism, yes or no? Yes, Harry Potter. And then we have even the name Apocalypse, which means Revelation introduced there. How to survive a what? A zombie apocalypse. Spiritualism. False prophets. Do false prophets, they use, you know, like something saying I'm a false prophet? Yes or no? Of course not. A false prophet, he in himself, he doesn't realize that he is false. He himself, you know, something about deception is that you don't know you're deceived. Are you with me? And what is the only hope we have not to be deceived? Ah, oh, there you go. The Word of God. And that's why I'm telling you, you know, time after time, it, the answer must come from the Word of God. Now, notice with me, going back to Matthew 24, if you have your Bibles there. Matthew chapter 24, we're going to read another sign. Another what, everybody? Sign that Jesus is coming soon. And uh, in Matthew chapter 24 and verse 6, notice what it says here. And you will hear of, what is the next word, everyone? Wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. The end will not be through war. If you're concerned that this world will come to an end through, you know, some form of uh, atomic bomb, it's not going to happen that way. Jesus has said, you're going to hear about wars, but that's not the end. Are you with me? That's not the end. And you say, oh, but come on, we have heard about wars time and time again, so this is not really a valid sign of the end of the time. Friends, I want you to go with me to verse 8 now. And all the signs that Jesus gives for his coming, you must take in perspective what verse 8 actually says. Don't miss. Notice carefully. All these things are the beginning of what? Sorry, do you see that word sorrows? If you go into the regional, but I will not uh, make you go through that. I, you know, you just take another Bible version like the NIV, and you're going to see that that word sorrows in the Greek, in the original manuscript, actually means birth pain. Means what, everyone? Birth pain. It says all these signs are actually the beginning of the birth pains. Notice what it says here, the NIV. All these things are the beginning of birth pains. Now, I told you I was going to tell a story about my wife and my children. I had the opportunity to see uh, the birth of my two daughters. Okay, so the first one, my wife and I, we were a lot younger. Not a lot younger, just like six years ago. And uh, we decided to have uh, a home birth with the midwife, and we actually went to the farm of this midwife, and we were there in the country of, uh, you know, North Carolina in Madison County, and um, in, in this little cabin in the woods with this midwife and her family to have our first daughter. We want a natural birth, you know what I mean? Like, so we want something different. And, um, and uh, as I was walking with my wife, she felt that the water broke. And the contractions began. And the contractions were very mild. And it was like space out, maybe probably 
one hour later, she would feel the second contraction. Are you with me? The birth pain. And then it, it began to become more frequent. More what, everyone? Frequent. Now every half an hour and more intense. More what, everybody? Intense. And then it began to be like every 15 minutes, every 10 minutes, every 5 minutes. And then it was constant. You know, and the pain was unbearable. And she said, I wish I was in a hospital. You know, what so unbearable it was. But the point is, the two words that I want you to remember is that birth pains, they increase in intensity and frequency. What are the two words? Intensity and fruit. All the signs that Jesus gives about the signs of the times, you must take in consideration that they will increase in intensity and frequency as we approach to the coming of Jesus Christ. Are you with me? So I want you to see that. Now you take in perspective what Jesus says, that you're going to hear wars and rumors of war. Notice what it says here in the slide. The first slide you can find, for instance, in the 16th century... How many wars were there in the 16th century in the world? One single war. And then the following century, you had how many wars? It's right there in the slide. No, it's not, right? So, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Twelve wars. And then we go to the next one. How many wars in the uh, 18th century? We have seven wars. And then as we approach the, the uh, 19th century, we have how many wars? 34, and then we have in the 20th century, how many wars? 60, and it doesn't stop, friends. It just doesn't stop like that. In the World War I, we have 24 million people dying. By World War II, how many people died? 16 million people died. The intensity is increasing. Are you with me? So we see that only in the 20th century, almost 3 hundred million people die in war in war affairs okay so as i said the 21st century is not different we hear about wars and rumors of wars just recently we saw what happened there in the middle east and i want you to go to the next sign that jesus gave which is related to wars and many other things that are happening in the world today matthew 24 verse 37 what verse everyone 37, the same chapter, Matthew 24, and we're going now to verse 37. If you're there with me, let's read what it says. It says here, but as the days of who? Noah were, so also will the coming of the Son of Man, that's Jesus, be. So he compared the last days and the coming of Jesus with the days of who, everyone? No, that is telling you, if you want to understand the condition of the world before Jesus comes, you need to understand the condition of the world when Noah was alive before the flood. Are we together? So let's see in the book of Genesis. If you want to jump, mark your Bible in Matthew 24, because we are going to come back in Matthew 24. And we are jumping all the way to the first book of the Bible, the book of Genesis in chapter 6, and we are going to read verse 5. Genesis chapter 6, verse 5, that's before the flood. Okay, so we had uh, there, you know, a number of years, a number of centuries had gone by after the creation of the world. And the condition of the world was like this. Genesis 6 verse 5, the Bible says, Then the Lord saw that the weakness of man was, how? Great in the earth. And that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil, how often? 
continually. That was the condition of the world. Notice verse 11. Jump with me to verse 11, what it says there. Verse 11 says, The earth also was what? Corrupt before God, and the earth was filled with, what is the next word, everyone? Viol is the word filled with violence today, yes or no? Oh, you better believe. It's everywhere. This is recent, okay? A recent protest here in the United States, and it's happening not only in this nation, it's happening everywhere in the world. Shooting has become more and more common. Before we were terrified, today we have been numbed, okay? But yet, the Bible says, the nations were angry, but Jesus says to us, let not your heart be what, everybody? Trouble. Let not your heart be trouble. Would you say amen for that? Jesus is there to comfort, to give hope, and to give security as we navigate the last day events. Now, back in Matthew 24, and we're going to read verse 7. There is another sign over there. And remember those two things. Birth pains, they increase in intensity and frequency. Somebody said there, I heard, notice what it says here. For nations will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And there will be three things. What are they? Famines, pestilences, and earthquake in various places. And we just go quickly over here. I'm sure you have heard things like that. For instance, 925 million are malnourished in the world today or hungry. We have 27 million people dying every year of hunger. Okay, so, and in the other side of the world, we have so much waste. Just in America, every American, the average American wastes 220 pounds of food per year. A contrast, there is fame in the world. And then they talk about pestilences. Okay, so you can see all kinds of pestilence in the 21st century and 20, the 20th and the 21st century. COVID was the last one. It has saved already more than 400 million lives, almost 5 millions. And we are going through that right now, but we must face with courage, with hope. Because Christ has given the promise of his coming and eternal life. We talk about earthquakes. We, we just saw it. These are the kinds of things that we see in places where it's close to the ocean. You know, like in case of earthquake, go high ground or inland. Because after earthquake, you have a tsunami. And uh, we have Hades, uh, you know, earthquake just recently. Years ago, thousands of people died. I want to show you the intensity of frequency. Can you read with me? So this is the United States Geographic uh, Census, I think. Uh, society, there you go. In the year 2000 to the year what? What does it say there? 2003, about 12,000 to 15,000 earthquakes per year. And then just a few years later, because the intensity and the frequency are increasing, in 2005, 2008, you know, about 30,000 to 35,000 earthquakes per year. And then from 2009, 2019, about 40,000 to 45,000 earthquakes per year, an increase of 400%. And of course, we can include here Katrina, hurricane and others that came just like recently and many others yet jesus reminds us let not your heart be what everyone troubled that's right friends let not our hearts be troubled with the things that is taking place and i want to close with this notice carefully what jesus said in the book of luke you're welcome to go there i'll give you a little bit of time before i read luke chapter 21 verse 28 as we see all these events happening, we must hold on on the promises. 
we must lift up our heads because we know that these are signs that who is coming again? Jesus is coming. And he's going to put an end in every suffering, every pain. He will comfort everyone that have given their lives to him. Notice what it says here in Luke chapter 21, verse 8. Now when these things begin to happen, should we be overwhelmed? Should we be filled with anxiety, not knowing what's going on? Look up and lift up your heads because your redemption draws what, everyone? Near. Friends, Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming soon. Matthew 24, verse 36. But of that day and hour, how many people know? No one knows. You know, I'm not going to tell you when Jesus is going to come. I'm going to tell you the signs of the times and that they are happening more and more. And I'm going to tell you about other prophecies related to the end of the time, like the beast, the Antichrist, the mark of the beast, you know, the great whore of Revelation 17. We're going to talk about all those things and how to be ready, but I'm not going to tell you when Jesus will come. The day and the hour, no one knows. And I don't claim to know either. Notice what it says here. What uplifting sign does Jesus give as another indicator of his soon return? I actually thought it was the last one. But notice what it says here. Uplifting sign. Matthew 24, verse 14. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached to how much of the world? All the world. As a witness to all nations, and then the end will come. Is this prophecy being fulfilled today, yes or no? Oh, friends, you better believe. Just take a look at this. Countries where Christianity is forbidden are being reached through TV, online, and radio programs. And I must add over here, even dreams. A lot of Muslims that don't have access to the Word of God, they are dreaming with Jesus and they are making a commitment to Jesus Christ. Notice the next one. What language does it say there? Arabic, Arabic is the third most requested language for Bible studies. Did you know that? These are areas of the world that is hard to penetrate the gospel and missionaries are persecuted. Notice what it says next. People in China are risking their lives to meet in secret to learn more about who? Friends, we have freedom here. You know, it would be shameful if we miss this opportunity in a country where we have freedom to study and prepare ourselves for the second coming of Jesus. That's why I invite each one of us, friends, to be ready. For Jesus does not want that any should perish. Friends, if tonight, somehow, the word of God has spoken to your heart, the Holy Spirit has impressed your heart, and you are convicted that Jesus is coming soon, that the signs are all over, and they have increased in intensity and frequency, and you want to once again to recommit your life to Jesus. As I pray tonight, I want you to, during my prayer, I want you to tell Jesus, says, I want to recommit my life. I want to give my heart to you. And I want to be ready. And Lord, you have given to me this opportunity to study the scriptures and, and still be fed every night. Isn't that great? Why not make a commitment tonight? So let's bow our heads and close with a word of prayer. 
Father in heaven, we thank you so much for the time we spent together. We went a little over the time due to the first night announcements that we had. But Father, we're thankful that we could study the word and know that you're coming soon. And Father, tonight, many of us here want to recommit our lives to you. And we want to give you permission to take our hearts and to fill us with the love of Jesus. Lord, we want to be ready for your coming, and we want to help other people to be ready. Bless us as we go home, Father, and uh, help us to be strong in you and also to come every night to partake more of your word. We pray all these. Let everyone say amen. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.